0: My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius.
1: I am. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano. As you'll notice, you're hearing my voice first today and not Brandon. And that's because the bum has gone on vacation for what feels like the third time in the last three weeks. So because <laughs> of that, I had to call out a favor to our good friends over at the Diz Insider. So live from California, it is Skylar Schuler and Derek Cornell, right? Well, yes, yep, you, yes, perfect. That,
0: Our hey, boys, hey. how are you today on this glorious Loki day? Oh I uh, want to get into it as quick as possible. Yeah, a, oh it was so good.
2: Not it's not too bad. Not too bad. In it's hump day, but you know, it's a great it's a great <laughs> yeah, day to have a hump that. day. Yeah, other did than did, that. Did, every did, day is a great day for a hump day. But you know, when state, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right.
1: Did the series live up to your hype at all? Uh, in terms of before you started to watch the show, like I went into this thinking expecting the series to be the best of the MCU shows so far, and I definitely think that that's what we got.
0: I would. I would agree. Yeah. Um. I had a lot more fun with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but oh, definitely Loki. Well, yeah. Uh, and then Loki is probably number two, and then WandaVision. But Loki really surprised me. I went in with like no. Th- Nothing. I was just like, okay, what are they gonna do with the you know Loki? Right. And now I was like, oh crap.
1: <laughs> well, so you know, if you think about where sort of the Thor characters and the Thor world started out, you know, I I still haven't seen Thor the Dark World all the way through. I think of those first two Thor films as easily bottom three to five in the MCU as a whole. So to see not only how they reinvented Thor, but reinvented Loki, who was widely considered the mcu's best villain not so much because he was that great just because the bar was so low to sort of reinvent him into this not only anti-hero but very emotive and emotional anti-hero i think is an achievement unto itself uh before we dive into the show though we got to get through some news of the week as we do every week starting with some pretty big mcu news that they announced the day before which suggests to me that while not tied in hand in hand, the timing of it was obviously on purpose. And that is that Deadpool uh, virtually made his MCU debut in an advertisement for Free Guy, which saw him sitting on a couch with Taika Waititi's Korg, who Taika is also in Free Guy, and they were breaking down the trailer. Um, Full of that sort of uh, self-aware Deadpool humor, that that we've come to know. So really, where I want to start with this one is, what did you guys? What did you guys think of that being not perhaps the fish, the official, but the technical MCU
0: debut for him? I think it's exactly what Deadpool, you know, needs or is you know what you expect from him. You know, appearing in different commercials, or you know him being aware that he's like in commercials or something like that. It's totally it seems like it's in Deadpool's nature rather than oh here's deadpool in the mcu in this film. So I was shocked to see him in korg and I was like, oh this is such a perfect way. <laughs> like this is such a deadpool way to introduce him. Yeah, it's uh it's it's weird. I I was
2: thinking about all the jokes that deadpool was making regarding Disney Plus and was thinking to myself, what if Kevin Feige pitched Deadpool the series on Disney Plus a PG-13 series? Where he just riffs on all sorts of things in the MCU, but and that's their way of kind of inching him in before a theatrical first look into this
0: uh into the MCU. Um well I saw a really good pitch, and it was um it was saying like, oh, introduce him as like a PG thirteen character, and then him get really frustrated on him not saying the F word, and then someone stealing it away from him at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I saw that too.
1: tweet you shared. That's that's yeah. Fucking brilliant. Oh, Um, man. But that sort of leads me to my next point right now. I don't think Disney confirmed as much, but it was in Deadline or one of the big trades that Deadpool 3 is expected to maintain its R rating. Yes. Do you guys trust Disney to do true by the character, not only the character from the comics, but the character from the films that we've come to know? I think so.
2: I mean, they do have. Have they ever even
1: put out a film that that was rated Rated R?
2: I don't well, think so. They would use their Buena Vista touchstone banners to do those kinds of things. When, right. When you look at something like scream or, well,
0: even look what uh, they did with the Netflix shows. Those yeah. were like, I just watched Jessica Jones do what? it with Luke Cage pretty much an whole episode. And, so. I, and, and yeah, that's a different team for the most part. True, but, but it's still, yeah. But
2: when you're looking at Disney proper, I mean, they're already pros at what they do now. Like even if you take Marvel aside, they're known for doing dark things at a rated PG thirteen level. You look at the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Uh, we've made this point on our show before. You know, kids are getting hung, people are getting stabbed, yeah, right. they're ripping out hearts out of chest. Dude, I just uh, I, I I just rewatched that last week
1: or that first one. I was floored by how good it is. I oh, oh it, I put out up. a tweet. It's a borderline perfect movie. Action, adventure, yep. comedy, romance, suspense. Couple scares. I remember being a kid and being scared of that. So that's a great point that you make. I do think PG 13 spooks and hard R jokes are two different s- skill sets. For sure. But I think what particularly the MCU strength is they, while they have a formula, they empower, they, at, at least from where I sit, they seem to empower the creators to sort of let their minds r- run as wild as they want as long as it maintains a certain structure that the mcu wants to uphold like think about all the shit that they jam-packed loki right there's no way that marvel came down on them we're like you have to include x y and z they let the creatives come up with that so hopefully that remains the case with deadpool couple quick ones here Do you have a guess as when you expect him to join the MCU now that the timelines are sort of blown wide open? Is the clock ticking at this point? Phase four, phase five. Where's your thoughts at there?
0: For for Loki, you're mean for meaning, right? Oh no, Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. When do you expect him
1: when when do you expect him to pop up in someone else's movie first? Mm. Do
2: you think his first I I think Yeah, I think this is any minute now. And we'll talk about it later. But Loki just opened the doors for all this to happen, you know, and you're looking at multiverse of madness. You're looking at the things we're hearing about Spider-Man. You're looking at, you know, a potential uh, She-Hulk series that are, is already going to include some cameos in it. Like, yeah. this, it, it's this is the perfect time to do it. Right. Because this whole universe, this is like the craziest thing that they've ever done. At right. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. So why not? introduce this wacky character at the craziest moment no way home. in your timeline. In scene? So, oh, that would be Wish rad. Oh, that'd be funny. rad.
1: And then that that's sort of finally just to tie a bow on it which MCU character are you most hyped to see him be with, talk to, hero with?
0: Oh, Spider-Man hands down. Spider-Man, right? Yeah. It's but Korg was funny I would love to see more banter yeah. between him and Korg yeah, but be, yeah Spider-Man see,
1: I'm not so much concerned about how they do his solo film but more so much how they work him into other characters and how exactly that dynamic is going to work
2: if at all right. Yeah. right Spider-Man's a good guess I, I would say Star-Lord I think he Star-Lord oh, Star-Lord is out there yeah he's oh, I, like I like that him. though he's, yeah I think he is an he is an R-rated character locked yes. into a PG-13 franchise yeah, that is very, great call right. great call yeah.
1: All right, so sort of sticking with the MCU, but not quite. WandaVision Direct. This was some cool news because also, oh, I weirdly, this. I also watched the Star Trek films last week
0: as well. And I know. I saw you and Br- so Brandon, like, bantering about it. And I say
1: watch because it's like, Derek, like, I work from home. So, like, I just toss it on in the background and it's just on. It's not like I'm consuming mm. all these films. But that said, the Star Trek and sort of like Pirates as well, the first one, it's like stunning how good it is. You're like, how, how did people sleep on these? Why aren't they a bigger deal? I looked it up. The three of them, despite the fact that it's Star Trek, which is uh, you know arguably one of the most iconic American pop culture properties of all time, despite the fact that it was directed by a big name, J.J. Abrams, and starring Chris Pine, not a single one of them cracked $500 million worldwide. And all of them, and all of them have above an 85% rotten score. So the just disparity in sort of, like people who have seen it clearly enjoy them, but not enough people have seen it. So what are your guys' thoughts on the Star Trek films that have come out over the last 10 years or so? Have you seen them? Do you care
0: for them? Did you want a fourth one? I have never seen any of the new Star Trek movies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so I, you really it was are just something dead. I didn't. You
1: are, you are Disney through and through, huh? It's it's. I, I like, was it's raised like on Star. Wars. Yeah, gone a line in the sand, huh? Yeah,
0: I was I was raised on Star Wars, and my dad always knocked Star Trek, so I just wow. had no interest. And but do
1: you think that that speaks to a bigger problem that they have, and that Star maybe. Wars is the thing right now, and that most people sort of see you could choose one, and I chose Star Wars. I mean, that, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I can see that too but I also know a lot of people that prefer the Star Trek movies over Star Wars yeah. being Star Wars fans so I don't really know what the criteria is there but I think uh, a little bit is the the verses. So
1: Does news of the fourth one make you want to go back and watch the three that have come out so far especially considering it's not that this really matters that much in terms of how much you care for it but it is a WandaVision director so you do have a connection to it right. in some way, shape, or form.
0: Um yeah, definitely. I've been meaning to go and he hypes him up a lot too. Uh I've been meaning to go back and watch uh the movies. I'm not gonna go and do the yeah, T V series or anything. Oh same yeah. here. Same here. Yeah. But I mean my my tastes have grown, you know, as a you know movie lover and stuff. So I would probably look at it as what it is, not uh the whole overall uh property, I guess. Yeah sky you i mean
2: i feel the same like for me that the tv shows are so different from the new movies like the movies turn this into a high octane you know action franchise sci-fi action franchise which is awesome um and i like derek said i enjoy all three of them i think they're so much fun um but at that time like jj abrams like he wasn't like he did some good things, but he wasn't like star power director. For sure, and I'm not saying Matt Shankman is, and Justin Lin, who did the Fast and the Furious movies, he did the third one Beyond, um, which I liked, but I think did worse than the first two. Yeah, uh, the third, and
1: I and I and I think that the third is a significant, not a significant step down, but uh, uh you could tell just for me it wasn't it, it didn't the have the same spark as the yeah, first two did. I, the I, first I, one I, is on Netflix right now. If you haven't seen it, ooh. folks out there Derek I suggest watching yes. it it's, easy, <laughs> it's quick and it, like you just said they've turned it into sort of a sci-fi high octane franchise
2: and then really quick I, I, Derek made a great point about you know Star Wars versus Star Trek like there is a a weird fan base out there that hates Star Wars and maybe Paramount is trying to exploit that fan base and go you know what let's get Matt Shankman mm-hmm. Just directed one division, nominated for like twenty three Emmys or something crazy like that. Yeah, let's get him. Let's turn this into this crazy. Let's get the the old gang back together and turn this into a crazy franchise and steal that those fans that are kind of deterred from Disney Star Wars. Which again, I'm saying is crazy, but. That's just a thought. Like, this is a a pivotal opportunity for Paramount that only has a handful of franchises to play with right now. Exactly.
1: That to me is the biggest key, right? You got to figure that they're desperate to get this back off the ground. Um, Final big piece of news here, and I'm going to throw it to the Disney pros. We got our first teaser this week for Turning Red, which is Pixar's next film, if I'm correct about that. Correct. It'll Uh, come out in March. Yeah, scheduled for release March 2022. Not exactly a trailer, the definition of a teaser, just sort of giving you an idea of the main character's struggle and sort of how that is going to impact the themes of the film. What are your guys' thoughts on, A, Pixar's push for representation that that we've seen for the last three films, Uh, B, the changing animation styles, and just, C, your general hype for the film?
0: Want to take it away? you can because i have not watched the trailer yet oh so i'm the worst is insider uh <laughs> in chief ever so skylar yeah, you talk about uh, it. Uh, <laughs> it you're right it's a it's a small trailer
2: it was kind of cool how they use the uh larger than life uh from the backstreet boys as you know as she's growing into this giant red panda um just to touch on like the inclusion they're doing with these Asian characters. It's directed by Dome Shi, I believe, uh, who directed bow that short film oh, that I yes. believe yeah, premiered yeah. in front of Incredibles 2 about the little uh little it, oh, little, it's uh, a little dumpling dumpling that's like human and gets eaten and then it it turns around to be about like nesting syndrome for a mother whose son is going away right you know right and getting right, married. right. And it's, it's yeah. a good story but this is her directorial debut oh, cool. um what's really cool is we found out today actually that ludwig goranson who did the score for the mandalorian yes. tenant he's Black doing Panther. it's his first uh, project with pixar he's coming in to do the score
1: Now is this a Diz Insider exclusive? It sure is. Oh hell yeah, boys!
2: Congrats on that one. And you said he had
1: scored Mando, right? Correct. And and he
2: did Black Panther. Yeah, Black. He'll be back for Wakanda Forever. Tenant. Um, and I think he did New Girl.
0: Yeah, he did do New Girl.
2: (laughs) And what do you guys think about Pixar's? And this
1: sort of applies their last three films. Luca, Soul, and then this. What do you think about the fact that they're sort of changing their visual style?
2: I think if anyone has the right to do it, it's Pixar. Because yeah. they've been well, so consistently Why good. do you think they're doing it? For artistic
1: reasons? Do you think it's to dispel the Pixar theory? What, what do you think is behind that study? Because they had an, a definitive, iconic style for 20-plus years. And now we've seen three movies back-to-back-to-back to back to back, that are all in the same vein, but they're all sort of variants of the pixar style right you know it, like it's
2: that. it's funny we'll have to, so we're actually good friends with john negroni who yes. is the author of the uh pixar theory right he yep. wrote the book on it um so we're, we we talked to him quite frequently he's of course he's a big disney pixar fan so we'll have to pick his brain on that i just think you know pixar wants to push the boundaries i think they're seeing other studios push the boundaries especially tw- uh sony pictures
0: yeah they're getting hard right now yes yep. Spider
2: Verse. Animation was just next level. What's the one that they just did? Oh, that. Ninjas
0: versus the machines. It is five. That's one of the phenomenal stars. One of the best that I I watched in. uh, Oh man.
1: The past year. Now to tie a bow on this, where does your guys' hype stand for this one? Because I thought, I thought Onward was average, like the definition of Pixar average. I thought Soul was a triumph. Luca, I didn't even finish.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, and I'm fucking my last name is Italiano. Like I should. Uh, yeah, right. That's your <laughs> movie. You got, that you got a cameo. You got a cameo in we it. We just won the Euros. I mean, it is an Italian summer. And yeah. Silencio am, saying, Italiano. <laughs> uh, right. Saying, yeah. So I do think I I need to go back and watch that. But on this show, Brandon and I joke a lot about our hype for Lightyear because oh, that wow, is yeah. just taking all the Chris Evans iconic character space, which is my favorite genre. I yeah. like to joke: Is Lightyear going to be about him going into space or trying to get home from space because you just know that, yeah. they're, that they're gonna level you with one of those two things. <laughs> so with light year on the horizon, because I believe
2: light year comes after turning red, June. Yeah, June wow. 2022. So and uh it what's funny, I don't mean to cut you off. No, is please go ahead. On our our Diz Insider show, we do. Um, It used to be Patreon exclusive. Now we've actually dropped it for everyone. We do a segment called The Rumor of the Week, which I'm sure you already know. It's basically what we're hearing, but we don't want to report on the website. It's just rumors that we're hearing that we, you know, could be true. It could could not be true, Um, but it's just fun tidbits we hear from friends, uh, whether they're in the industry at Disney or tips we get uh, via forums that we look into. Uh, One of our rumors of the week was that this movie exists as a basically, not a live action, obviously, but a live action version of Buzz Lightyear of Star Command.
1: Yeah, so yeah, it's about the human being behind the toy. Right, yes, yes. I mean, fuck me, dude. Is- <laughs> <laughs> and, and But to give them credit, that is a creative way to non-intrusively expand a previously existing and successful IP it feels it. It feels within reason of. Uh, it feels like a fresh revamp yes. within this universe. So, exactly. uh, so uh, not to because every time we talk about this film, we just get so sidetracked because we're so excited for it. Back <laughs> to Turning Red. Are you yes. excited for
0: that at all, or does Lightyear have you sort of looking past that? Honestly, when it comes to Pixar, I look forward to every single one because okay. the trailers Same always here. hit for me. Yeah. So, definitely Lightyear is something that I'm looking forward to more, but Turning Red, I mean, I from seeing Pixar films, seeing like uh like the plots and stuff in trailers, I'm like, "Oh, I don't I don't know if that one's for me." It always shocks me, every no. Pixar film. Like I really? can find and I think that Luca is what you said about Onward is like that Pixar average. I, I
2: agree.
0: Um it's still like all of like very heartwarming moments. It shocked me about how, you know, I viewed it actually watching the movie yeah. with doing the, the trailers. So uh, I just go into that mindset every so time. So their
2: their brand for you has not waned? No. Well, the problem is, is when you are, when you're looking at Pixar and their history, when you're, and we, we did. Because if Pixar, you compare
1: right? their heyday, right?
2: Like that yeah. 2007-ish yes. era,
1: it's just night and day. Well, they were
2: just on fire. And even looking at their recent filmography now, it's just they have more. They still have more hits than misses. Right. So to say like you can't, you're not excited for the next Pixar movie. it's, It's a hard argument because they've only had a handful that are, technically bad and that's you know you're looking at cars, cars three two, oh, cars two cars three an argument can be made for brave and i actually and like brave though i love brave oh, bra- i'm just saying that's <laughs> like the, that's the consensus yeah so yeah um, i guess
1: i would i i'd say planes me,
2: sorry well that's disney Toon studio Oh, that's disney i'll
1: watch right. it as soon as it comes out but for me it's not like a light year type thing where i actually get giddy thinking about it right oh for sure yeah um all right, that wraps up the news. Now for just some quick hitters: Gunpowder Milkshake. We are recording this on Wednesday, the fourteenth, so that hit Netflix today. I fucking loved this movie. It was it's, like been saying in tweets, it's like John Wick's goofy slapstick cousin. Yes. Similar vibe, like world building and well constructed fight scenes, but it doesn't take itself seriously at, at all. Like oh, John I'm Wick! So Everyone angry say that. and like. Super serious and following the rules. This is just having a ton of fun. Loved it. Check that out. Karen Gillen, Jumanji, Guardians, Doctor Who, and this. This chick is an action star. Let yes. me tell you that right now. And I think she's like 5'11, and she's, oh, she's clearly tall. and she's clearly athletic as hell, not mm-hmm. counting an Academy Award, which I'm sure she could pull off. I could see her having a very Charlie theron esque action star awesome. career because she's still only 32. Um, the Mandalorian and the boys both scored best drama. Emmy noms, WandaVision also racked up a ton as you guys pointed out I think he said
0: 23 Don Ooh. Cheadle scored one for oh, like the <laughs> oh, oh my I've God. been loving oh, the memes God. and his responses on it it's so funny so
1: funny but also disrespectful to I believe his name was Carl Lumbly yes one
2: hundred.
1: Isaiah Bradley who yep. of course he's not the name that Cheadle is but those Bradley scenes were some of the most affecting in the whole show so if you're gonna give it to some random character in Falcon it should have been him yeah oh, for sure definitely regardless agree. that is politicking viralness 101 right uh ted lasso our fucking boy 20 emmy noms most ever I still have to catch this show most ever for a first year comedy Derek, i had a panic attack the first one in my life and i didn't know what the fuck was going on to me i was like i just need to chill out <laughs> smoke a ton of weed and watch nice. that show in one yeah. sitting and i was like oh i'm better now
0: Oh, nice. Oh, man. I'm going to take that. <laughs>
2: Slap that on your promotional marketing. Yeah. Terrible. So
1: I I would check that out as soon as you got the chance. Uh, Kate Winslet says, Mayor of Easttown season two is an ongoing conversation. She says she'd love to play her again. Give Can I how- just say something about yeah. this
0: series? It Please. is so fucking good. Oh, my, oh, God. my God. And that was
1: so good. Are either of you from the East Coast or you're both West Coast? Born and, born and, raised? Born and raised in California. The Pennsylvania accent that she's doing is—is I mean this turn of phrase in the most literal way possible. It's out of this world, like what? And it's one of the
0: hardest to do, right? What
1: she's—I mean, I wouldn't know because I can't fucking do it, right? (laughs) Um, It is—it is just so incredible to hear her talk like that. Uh, When you combine how critically successful it is, how widely watched it is, and given the fact that they're shooting in the sticks of PA cheap to make and the fact that she's down again this one feels like a no-brainer to me yeah yeah uh, and evan
0: peters deserves that he was yep. yeah, he I was saw, great right yeah, i saw was like, a tweet
1: wait were you gonna say
0: yeah where he's gets out of uh ryan murphy's basement Did you see that one <laughs> <laughs> but he's going right back into it for jeffrey dahmer so i know uh, oh, whatever
1: yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah you're right he is really good in that and that's the first yeah. time i've ever like seen him do something outside of just like manic
0: weirdo you know what i mean? yeah he was like what like the the nice guy i was like who the fuck yeah. is this guy <laughs> yeah he was good he was convincing <laughs> was good, yeah I, uh,
1: that scene i don't want to spoil it but i, I was know finally, shocked I mean, me it came Lord. out of
0: nowhere um
1: kevin feige says Catherine Hahn will return as agatha parkness when and where remains to be seen uh that 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 just seems like some shit he said that will pay off in like three to five years you know yeah. <laughs> um and finally, A24. You know them for films such as Uncut Gems, The Green Knight, Midsommar, Lady Bird. Some of the more critically acclaimed independent darlings. Or Swiss Army that, Man, their best ones That's technically independent or art house. Whatever. That's not why you come to this show. Um, Explore to sell. Uh, Apple reportedly kicked the tires with a price of two and a half to three billion dollars. Dear Lord. Look, I mean, with the amount of acquisitions and mergers, when you've got a studio like this, who seem genuinely committed to the art form, you would really hate to see them. I don't want to say sell out because it's not their fault, but you would hate for them to give in, right? Like they're clearly trying to do something different. So for them to just also get absorbed by some large studio who probably won't show as much attention and detail as they need, that'd be a bummer. Oh, yeah. sure. All right, that is going to do it for the news, which brings us to the main portion of the episode, and that is the Loki Breakdown, episode six of season one for all time, always. This was 47 minutes long, so in yeah. terms of season finales go, not necessarily long. It's sure packed a shitload in there. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to it. The episode opens with various clips from both the MCU and the real world. We hear Cap and... Uh, Peggy's song. It's been a long, long time. We hear Falcon saying "Way to go, Tic Tac." Peter Quill saying "Dance off." Thor fighting the Hulk. Just more. Just tons of iconic lines. We hear quotes from people like Mandela and Greta Thunberg, Greta Thunberg yeah. and, and and real life people as well and what we realize is we're sort of being pulled through a universe's life cycle like from the big bang through time to its end and we realize that at that end is where our main characters are we now realize that we are at the center of time as loki and sylvie approach this serious castle that sits at the edge of time uh before they walk in sylvie reminds loki that she's been waiting for this moment for her whole life which is an element
2: that will come into play later boys let me say when that door opens and that little bitch miss minutes appears that scared the the living shit out of me i don't scare which i was i was like oh my god that's not supposed to happen oh big hey (laughs) y'all
1: most people watched it i mean not most people but hardcore fans like us watch like in the morning you know what i mean like i like this this is really the first thing i do so that scared the fucking crap out of me as well I think what this episode did very well, it starts here and it carries throughout the entire show, is that it, for the first time, like, all right, if you think about the past few months, fans have been hyped up, multiverse, timeline, super excited. But here you get a sense of how sort of terrifying the endlessness of timelines and space are and how sort of tiny we all are at the center of that. And using traditional science and space imagery to show us that while mixing in MCU quotes and phrases, I thought was an effective way to like remind us that, yes, we're dealing with comic book nonsense, but there's also a scientific basis for this multiple realities on top of each other sort of thing. So as you just pointed out, Loki and Sylvie are greeted by Miss Minutes, who tells them that he who remains is if they just stop right now and give up everything they've ever wanted. Loki to beat the Avengers and kill Thanos and possess the Infinity Gauntlet and become the king he always thought he was. Sylvie to forget all of her pain and uh, and to, to wake up the next day with a lifetime of happy memories. So this is where sort of we're getting to the thick of it, right? He Who Remains is the first time that we hear the sort of villain's name. He Who Remains is also a comic book character. What they did with Kang was they sort of rolled... Immortus and Kang and he who remains into one character and he who remains was as far as I've read the last TVA employee at the end of time who then retroactively is the one who creates the TVA so Mm -hmm. what did you sort of think of a the reveal that Miss Minutes was I mean in on it the whole time and B sort of just the look of the castle and the general
0: vibe of where the show was at 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 this point see for miss minutes i always thought her even from the first episode as she's going to be a sinister character it's just the way i don't know i just had a i had a feeling it was kind of thrown in your face yeah yeah um as far as the castle and everything uh I mean, me and Skylar were talking about all these theories, theories, what we're going to be in that castle, but the whole layout, like, like you said, in the beginning, the intro goes through all of this, like, you know, Avengers timeline and and real life people. I thought it was really good representation of like the end of time, because you can actually see around the castle. You can see like the actual timeline start breaking and I thought that was really cool. Rather than seeing on one of those little shitty TBA yeah. computers, you yeah. you see it. So I thought that was really cool. And then I, his whole explanation of the the multiverse stacking, I thought that was really cool. I I will say this: like when Kevin Feige
2: said, "You're like about a year before, year and a half before these shows started coming out, that they were putting movie quality budgets into these series." I was like, "Okay, yeah, they're gonna do it up a little." Loki might've had the best looking special effects of any MCU project oh, totally. next to Endgame, And this is a, this is basically a TV show. This is, I know, this is, right? a, it's amazing how, how good the quality is. And it's, it, it just, it just lends to the fact that what the possibilities are in the future. And you know, that Marvel's still in good hands. Yeah.
0: what just one little tidbit is uh when he's like showing uh, Sylvie and Loki, like his whole timeline. Oh, like, there was a guy and like, the little clay people come up, really Black Panther vibes about that
1: technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great call there. Um, Yeah, I thought sort of their first steps into the Citadel were actually one of the scariest parts of the show. And as I said at the top, sort of sets the tone to get you in the mindset that the multiverse and the amount of power it would take to control it is actually a terrifying idea. When you look at it in the context of how much effort Thanos had to put forth in order to obtain the gauntlet versus how much it would take Kang, who apparently could just give him out for free. Hey, you want (laughs) one? You can have it, you know? The disparity in those two is terrifying. The Infinity Gauntlet was problem numero uno in the MCU for 10 years. He who holds this holds ultimate power. Loki literally walks in the front door and the computerized greeting card thing offers him one. So that is sort of where I'm getting a sense of, all right, we thought that this multiverse timeline thing was going to be fun. It gets you out of that mindset very quickly and sort of reminds you of what you're about to meet is meant to scare you villains are meant to be scary and that's what this did for me that said this is not a joke that i've come up with but i've seen the joke out there what exactly is ant-man gonna do about this (laughs) like
0: (laughs) how on earth is he gonna deal with Kang? (laughs) oh Uh. i see right now it's i'm like and how the fuck does this tie into ant-man quantumania i know right i'm like what is i
1: i have a theory about that i think they're going to be dealing with a different version of Kang that's I think also versions why what of I, went kang, I think different versions of kang are just going to start popping up left and right
0: well because because he tells yeah. sylvie i'm not gonna well we'll go into that later but he just says see you soon yeah and i was okay. like it, yep great
2: <laughs> i mean this has got to be the the and i want to jump ahead at all but this has got to be the next big bad at this point right yeah
1: totally. well and yeah. i want to talk about sort of how big are we talking sure like the villain i uh, will Get to this, but there are, you know, do they deal with him in three films? Is this over by next year? Is this a Phase Four thing that's going to consume all of Phase Four? One last thing about their sort of journey to the end of time that I would have liked, I I would have been like to give an idea if they were the first ones to ever get there, or yeah. if other oh, previous, yeah. either variants or other characters entirely have tried and failed you know that would have been right. cool to sort of see the bones of somebody that we may have known like you know they tried to fuck with kang and, and they got stuck here <laughs> yeah or something, you know? that just would have been sweet something to sort of give you a and kang does explain like the the road that you walked i paved yeah but they sort of got through this very easily they're just like i'm going to chant that big cloud thing and oh we're here Knock, knock, yeah. you know what I mean? So I wouldn't <laughs> sort of like the for them to give you more of a scale and scope of the feat that they just pulled off, right? Like in theory, they're the first people in the history of time to knock on that door. For right. all we know, back at the TVA, Mobius confronts Renslayer while Hunter B-15 attempts to enlighten the other TVA agents of the organization's true nature by revealing Renslayer to actually be a variant of a humble Ohio school teacher. Now, key thing here is the year that they visit is 2018. That is the year of the Thanos snap. Oh, I don't yeah, I don't know if there's a bridge to be drawn there, but the fact that they the fact that Renslayer's life was existing so close to the current MCU timeline. Like I would have thought that they would have nabbed her back in like the 80s or something, you know? Yeah. Um, Mobius attempts to prune Renslayer but fails. Miserably. Uh, and still <laughs> Renslayer chooses to spare him before walking through a tempad portal in search of free will. Now, Miss Minutes and Kang gives Renslayer a file, one that we don't see in that one, one that she didn't ask for, but that Miss Minutes tells her he thinks that you need this more. And that's what sort of causes her to pack up her shit and leave. Do you have a remote guess of what that could have been? I don't think anyone out there really does. At this point, there's absolutely no way of telling.
0: I mean, the only thing that I can think of is like actual true intentions from what she knew, because there was an underlying thing that Mobius didn't know. And now maybe there's an underlying thing that she didn't know. And it probably scared the shit out of her. I don't know.
1: I said this last week, and I think it's actually a testament to the character and the performance of her Mm -hmm. i i can't tell what the hell she wants and what she does and does not know she is such a wild card to me and that remained the case this time like she remains wildly loyal to the TVA, even though she's not really in on what it like she's not she didn't know that, that it was all a sham she is angry at mobius for betraying her yet she spares his life so we don't really I, I i don't think through this entire season one i got a grasp of who she is and what she wants and i actually thought that that was a really cool thing i
0: yeah i thought i found that super interesting like you didn't know where she was you know headed i guess yeah yeah i thought that was cool
2: oh yeah i i mean i can't add too much to that i <clears throat> if we're playing guesses without getting there just yet I would say maybe she goes through a portal to meet that different Kang and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania to help oh, her. In the comics Renslayer and Kang are I believe our boyfriend girlfriend or yeah, husband, wife love or something, or something. something yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So m- maybe that's it. I don't I, it's a hard guess. I do think she is a wild card because this whole series like the beginning you're like you know she's just doing her job, you know, she's by the books but you know she you can tell she has this friendship with Mobius. But then she has this twist mid-season, and now you look at it, and she spares his life. So you're like, oh, my God, what the hell are we going through right now?
1: (laughs) And I was surprised by how, for what amounts to two supporting players, how emotional I found their fight to be. I really sort of felt for both of them. When she snaps on him, she was like, no, dickhead, you betrayed me. Yeah, Yeah. I was like... I kind of agree. (laughs) I I felt both of their points. I felt both of their pain, uh, which is a testament, of course, to the work that these two put in. Owen Wilson, all season, everyone's hyped it up, but Gugu Batha raw was absolutely incredible, both in the moments where you can't tell what she wants and what she's feeling, and moments like this where she's wearing it all on her sleeve.
2: Yeah, yeah. 100 agree it's hard to when you're looking at this especially owen wilson because when owen wilson was cast everyone was like uh what yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh you, you look at him now he's like one of the most memorable characters from the show oh yeah and, he's uh, definitely one of the big parts usually you can watch these shows and you can probably really really deep down nitpick you know a certain actor but all these actors you could just tell they're having fun and giving it their right. all and they're they're continuing to grab this you know stellar talent not only from you know film but television as well and it's it's crazy to see
1: the casting man they just don't mess no Um, (laughs) and okay so loki and Sylvie are now formally introduced to he who remains wildly played by jonathan oh my majors who's both chewing on an apple and the scene he who (laughs) remains after pretty much showing off the fact that he's pretty much un killable as he dodges them with his temp pad showing that like he can predict their every move you literally cannot touch him sit the pair down to essentially explain what everyone has been waiting for the multiverse now in short and i thought this was a really effective way to explain a dense what is a dense idea in it of itself multiple timelines and variants and all and the beginning of time and the end of time the fact that they did it so efficiently was great writing uh so in short, he who remains claims that he is quite literally the last man standing version of himself. He claims that there are far worse versions of him hell-bent on a multiversal war, and that his solution, the what? TVA, is the best deterrence against them. Kang reveals that he paved the road for the pair for the pair to arrive at the end of time because he wants them to take over his job. Sort of like a Willy Wonka-esque vibe. Yeah. Right. You know oh what I mean? Uh, yeah. Or they could kill him and unleash both the multiverse and all of the variant Kangs that come with it. Boys, if this is the formal introduction of the multiverse in the MCU, sort of Kang's explanation of his life and the TVA, how did it go down for you? Were you mind blown? Were you confused? Did it live up to the hype of what a multiverse, what the introduction of a multiverse should be? Where are your sort of heads at at this? I would say that Kang's sort of speech is the is the centerpiece of the entire totally
2: show. i have a lot to say but derek's gonna go first on this so
0: as far as that yeah um i liked how like what you said it was dense there was not a, a lot of over ex, uh, explanations for it and and the, the way that his character was very fluid very like uh jokey it's well, see, I was, that was weird that his
1: performance was so extra because his mind is sort of melted from being yeah. on his own for so long. That was mm-hmm. sort of the read of it that I got.
2: Kind of. I was actually, I think you'd use the better word, but I was thinking like a very flamboyant, Joker esque villain. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and by the way, kudos to Post Credit Podcast on this whole. King this and- is Brandon. Yeah, they, they, so uh, had- No, this is post credit podcast. So that's where it was dropped. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, he,
1: kudos, uh, he- kudos to you guys. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we had we had to scoop in December, but Brandon couldn't quite get the confirmation of, for us to run it as news. So just like you guys, sort of, we ran it as a rumor. I was pushing him, right? I was like, dude, fuck it, let's just report it. Like, who we'll gives? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: that's well, me to him. Yeah. And then, right. then you sent us over the information. We made sure we blasted it. Brandon, Brandon has. Wildfire.
1: uh Brandon has more journalistic standards than I do. Cause I was like, dude. I was like, <laughs> dude. fuck it. Who cares, yeah. dude? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So thank, thank uh, you. That. I mean, I thought in terms of, as I've been saying the whole time, I think the most effective element of this hour or so was how it made me scared of the idea of Kang and the timelines. Like I went from being like, Oh, this is going to be so fun to like, dude, I kind of agree with this fucking guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I found myself on his side to that end. Like, Not only did I find it to be an effective breakdown, like effective in terms of it clearly explained to you what's going on, but an intense one. It was a story within a story. Not only is he explaining the multiverse and its rules, but he's also telling you the horrifying dog eat dog story of his life. I had to battle thousands of myself to the death just so I could (laughs) live alone at the end of time. To keep a lid on the whole thing, yeah. So you know,
2: it's it's like he's
0: he's, a—he's also. I was just going to say that's heroic.
2: Yeah, he's a hero.
0: Well, I thought it was interesting. You know, the 31st century was where he kind of started his whole life thing. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Well, that's
1: sort of the comic book basis of him. He was a scientist in the future who created the technology. The time travel. Exactly. And then sort of, now, in the comics, I believe he went through the timeline creating other versions of himself. That appears to be vice versa here. Mm-hmm. The alternate timelines are going to be creating new versions of him. What do you think made Kang think that the Lokis were the right pair to take his job? Because I couldn't identify a single thing that A, he
0: said, or B, in the subtext that made them remotely qualified at all for this job maybe to the point to where they were taking at certain parts of their life and they had a full character flip i don't know if that kind of you know goes along the lines of you know their character development but we've got our the most emotional and heroic loki we've gotten so far so maybe because of that but also if he's paving the way i don't really know why if it was before that character shift so that's that's where I'm like up in the air about. That's a good point. I was going to say I think it's because Kang sees a
2: turn in Loki and Loki at the end of the day this Loki the the one we know who's th- this is the same Loki. This Loki we know at the end of the day loves his brother, loves his mother, loved his father and right. you can see this change throughout the series and you saw it in the movies. He finds out he's dies multiple times. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) He he has a friendship with uh, Mobius. He's building friendships. He's building these new memories, and I think Kang is gonna use was trying to use that as uh, a tool or or a leverage. Like, listen, you kill me, and I unleash war, and I can kill whoever's left. I'll kill your brother. I'll kill right. I'll kill Sylvie. I'll kill you. I think he's using that as like basically his other selves will kill him. And I think Loki came to those terms like, no, 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 stop. Let's, let's hear this out. What if he's telling the truth? Mm -hmm. That's where I think, that's why I think he more understanding because he's, he's seen all these different versions. He's been inside the TVA. You would want someone that's inside the TVA right now has the basic. Yeah. The knowledge and the leverage of, Loving family, loving friends, knowing that these people can not time travel per se, but like Thor can enter, you know, go into different worlds, enter to dimensional travel, I should say. Um, So but I, I think thesis, that's leverage. If, I mean, if
1: your thesis is that Kang was looking for the purest Loki, purest of heart, that again suggests heroic intent.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, oh, he's going well, out of it. his way. He's
1: going out of his way to find the good one and find good people to run
2: your TVA absolutely, for. Absolutely so, right.
1: All that said, you know, when after he gave his big speech, I was like, yeah, I agree. I am. <laughs> yeah. on, I am on Kang's side. So that is not the case when it comes to Sylvie. After the pair here, Kang's pitch the, Lokis are split and as a result battle it out our Loki believes Kang and as a result wants to spare him while Sylvie remains hellbent on killing him following what is perhaps the season's best choreographed fight which I think myself and Brandon and a lot of the fans have been saying were subpar in the show especially considering the hand-to-hand combat dueling yeah. knives nature of it that's sort of a style that you could really sort of blow out and make look slick uh Sylvie eventually defeats him by by weaponizing his love for her against him. Loki pours his heart out and the pair kiss. But that's a moment that Sylvie uses as as a distraction to grab Kang's temp pad and send Loki back to the TVA. I mean, where were you guys at on their romance going into this show? Because I had been hard on it in terms of I thought the visualizations of their love when they were acting out of love were strong. The sort of visual of, uh, in episode three, their touch creating a branch timeline or the visual of Sylvie pruning herself, very powerful images. But when the pair would talk about their love and it would devolve into sort of this awkward teenager, I like you, do you like me type thing. I wasn't so much a fan of that. Brandon was more on board with it than I was. I had said I'm going to have to see how they stick the landing to make my final call on it. Seeing as though Sylvie eventually threw the entire season's romance subplot out the window, I see no reason why I shouldn't too. I think it was a waste of time. I think it was misleading. Uh, If the point was to prove that a Loki could betray herself or himself, I'm pretty sure we already knew that he was capable of that. So, and I just think it's sort of, I guess it, presents an exciting prospect of how loki is going to handle having his heart broken right that perv- that presents interesting fodder going forward but in terms of retroactively how it makes me feel about the season that we've just seen i
0: feel duped see i i'm gonna have to lean towards what brandon thinks i i found it only because this is the most i keep going back to this heroic loki that we've seen the one that actually feels and then he, you know throughout you don't get his actual emotional self until like i don't know ragnarok or something like that or even the beginning of infinity war to see him so like enveloped in like a relationship or a single person i thought was really cool to see and especially during that fight scene where he's just breaking down while he's fighting i was yeah i thought the uh
1: him being like stop 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 reminded me of the it's not your fault, it's yeah, not your yeah, fault. From goodwill, from, yeah yeah from
0: goodwill yeah yeah yeah. no but uh as far as that i i liked it but it was very pillow talky like when they were talking about it i was like okay that's fucking cheesy but yeah. their visual representation and stuff like that was awesome yeah. so i hard i hard disagree <clears throat> i think
2: that these are, it was very known that this is a Loki, this is a Loki. I find it very weird that they're making out. Yeah, I found that weird. For, I, 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 just,
1: I was able to get over it in time as it became uh, clear just how variant variants are, just how different they are. But yes, the inherent notion of being attracted to yourself, regardless of it's a different sex from a different universe and a different timeline, I'm with you, Sky is
2: a is a tough is a tough mountain to climb over i I just think if a girl version of me appeared and she's like damn <laughs> <laughs> i i would just be like oh oh, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, I'm, oh, I'm good I just, but thanks uh, i that, but it the the, fr- the friendship representation of it um i i, I liked when they were becoming fr- like frenemies like i i enjoyed that i wasn't 100 on board like Derek and I had just said, like the pillow talk. Like, you want some covers? I can make it longer. <laughs> C- cuddling up and I'm just you, like, um, do you hold think my she... hand. We'll do this together. I'm just like, right. oh, they're trying so hard. Like, yeah, you had the opportunity to let Loki make out with a dude and you chose Sylvie. Yeah, that's <laughs> very true. You? How dare you think that she was playing
1: him the whole time? No, yes. Right? D- oh, really? Yeah, yes. I
0: definitely think so. Yes. Because she looks
1: pretty upset when she goes to kiss him. And when she's when he's like, stop, stop, stop. There is genuine pain on her face.
0: Yeah, but that's just a Loki. They right. they they can manifest that all day. Right. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I am
1: I have been frustrated with the inconsistent characterizations of Sylvie throughout the show. They've tried to make a point of it that she's supposed to be the elite Loki, the most cunning, the most tactical, the most um forward thinking. She was the best looking. <laughs> that's very true yeah, that that was true so for her to like last week like eat to even believe ravona for a second felt inconsistent with the intelligence that we had come to expect yes that's a good point point. and i found that again here what kang is his argument is that it's that is better to deal with the devil you know than the one that you don't loki and sylvie have lived in this kang's Reality and have experienced his rule. For as angry as Sylvie may be, surely she must understand that things could always be worse, especially considering a majority of her of her pain comes from running from the TVA, a problem she will no longer have. And again, like to the point of like things could always get worse, especially when it comes to cosmic multiversal forces, things you can't even account for. The fact that she was able to arrive at the end of time unscathed. Should have been a sign like, you know, maybe this guy's not that much of a threat. Right. And for as much as time as the Loki series spent highlighting the trauma of Sylvie's past, which I get right like that. like, And that's why before they walk in, she makes sure to point out I've been waiting my whole life for this. I just got to get my shit together like that is to make the point. And look, we've all been there in one way, shape or form, whether it be via love, hate, anger when you're consumed by a feeling, your brain is turned off. So I get all that, right? And I get that that's born out of a lifetime of trauma. But the series, again, spent just as much time building up the against all odds, across timelines, romance between the pair. Only for Sylvie to then quite literally toss all of that character development out the window by choosing to remain on her revenge-driven path. Which, again, is a is a total sum game, Right. She knows once she kills Kang, it's out of her hands.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What happens next is now beyond her. Her role in this story ends where she could have just created a new path with her supposed love and maintained a grasp on both Kang and the timeline. So I just found her inability to apply critical thought to such a to such a I mean, literally the most circumstantial, like the like the fate of the universe. For her to, even in that moment, be consumed by revenge and rage, which is understandable for a supreme being, for a god,
2: I just, it's something about it doesn't sit right to me. I'll play devil's advocate there because I agree with you. I agree with you, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. That I would have to imagine Sylvie, who was taken as a child by the TVA, was able to escape now knows about what these guys, what these these groups of uh, people do. The horrors that they carry out. uh, Stealing children. And then her having to enchant people to escape people, showing people their past lives, which is now mentally messing their minds up. It's that the first TVA employee, the the young girl, where at the beginning of the episode, her and Sylvia are having dinner. She's showing her her past and all her friends. And then she does it to be 22 B-22, I believe. Won me Mustaku? Or- yeah. Oh, that's B-3. Uh, that's- 15. 15, 15. 15. 15. Okay, yeah. B-15. So when she does it to her, she's crying and says, I looked happy. And you could just see Sylvie in that episode just like, you, you could see she's like, she felt sorry for her, but she felt like pissed off that she had to do it because it shouldn't have had to happen. So I think that's what gave her that edge to say, you know what? No, I'm seeing, if I run this, that means we have to steal people and I'm not doing that that's just devil's advocate i I don't know but i I think that could be a driving force for Sylvie maybe she doesn't want to steal people maybe she she does not want to take the lives away from innocent people I mean like she's what, a loki like that I think what it is is sort of like a multiversal
1: trolley problem have you guys seen yeah. the good place yes. yes. Oh, I love the good place. So I think it's in season one and they're explaining the trolley problem is that if you're in a train car, right? And there are, and there are five people strapped in the road in front of you and that it, this train is going to mm. hit and kill them. Love this. Now you have the option to pull a switch that will reroute the train, but it will be killing somebody else. So the problem is, do you impose your will on the universe, right? Like you could let things go as they were meant to unfold, and let the five people die as they were going to, or you could choose to change it. But then you are also inherently choosing to kill somebody else, and that is sort of what she was doing here. And she chose her own pain and the and the need to kill Kang over the tens of trillions of lives that she's now subjecting to the far worse Kangs.
2: But then we would have to assume that she doesn't believe him, you know what? I, I, really I don't saying. think but- I don't think she gives a fuck. I don't know. I know. Yeah. I, yeah, no, for sure. I'm just, I'm trying to make an argument for a character that this character through and through, I'm just like, uh, more, more leaning towards like, okay, she knows what's going on. I'm just, I'm trying yeah. to play okay. devil's advocate, it's tough though, it's a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> this show's awesome, <laughs> yeah, I know, oh, it's right? It's short. Uh, okay, so
1: Sylvie follows through with her plan and kills Kang, to which he ominously says, Awesome line, I'll see you soon. And yeah, then yeah wink. that yeah. gave me goosebumps. And like, oh, then Winks at her, too. Did you catch yeah. the wink uh, as well? Yep. So, mm-hmm. man, Jonathan Majors, and you gotta assume he's hamming it up here right but i'm sure marvel told him when they pitched him on kang like yo you're gonna get to play 10 different versions of the same character like sort of where like do i split, sign it? right like <laughs> yeah. that's gonna be an actor's dream like playing multiple different versions of the same guy so and i you just know, thought he had that-
2: input on that too you know yeah y- yeah you play him how you want and loki play a little sinister right you know cocky <laughs> y- douche play we're gonna have you play him different in right or right yeah, right, Avengers right.
1: Or something. and so speaking of which Loki at the TVA while the sacred timeline is wild. Yeah, wild. Uh, Sort of like a Planet of the Apes type ending, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, perfect. So at the TVA, while the sacred timeline branches into an untold amount of split realities, he desperately tries to warn Mobius of the incoming threat. Mobius, though, does not recognize Loki as we now realize he's already in alternate timeline one obviously ruled by Kang as his sole statue peers down upon the still active TVA. Oh,
2: oh, that's yeah. awesome. Love
1: it. Oh, I mean, man. What that's so a weird. mic drop. Now, I think there's a key line here to point out. When Loki runs up on them, B fifteen is like showing Mobius the timeline, and she says there's like 63 new branches. And then she says, and he wants us to just let like let them keep growing. So that suggests that Kang is already making strategic multiversal war moves. Like they're like <laughs> yeah. it's all they're already in thick of it here. What'd you think of the ending? General thoughts, and then we'll sort of dive in a bit deeper.
0: I, I so I did say earlier in the show that. I did like Falcon and the winter soldier better, but this was definitely hands down the best season finale of any of the Marvel shows so far, Mm -hmm. just how much it sets up. You get the the big new bad who, uh, when we first got introduced to Thanos, you know, they're, they're both very, very sinister and, you know, very mysterious. Um, So I can't wait to see what more of this character. And that just gets me hyped. So.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree. I think, what really gave me the chills is when they, you were seeing the branches of the multiverses grow, starting to slowly grow. And you're just like, Oh my God, you are looking at the multiverse of madness. Right? Yeah. And it, if you, the best, when it comes to Marvel or the Marvel cinematic universe, when you're trying to close out your movie or your series, your job is to get you some sort of investment or hype into your following project within your universe and I think that does it for a lot of people who have been passionate about the MCU and knows what's coming next. Because at this point, it looks like not only does WandaVision tie into Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange ties into this and that, now Loki ties into this yes. and that. What? How, how does Shang-Chi and Eternals fit into this? Because you know... Since they're right. in their own timelines right. yeah. or universes, they know. Yeah, okay, now tough. they can see multiversal wars coming, and it it just hypes me for the future. And I think they did a good job closing it out. I it, it's the visually the best series of the three. I think it closed out the best. I think it gave us the best investment throughout the whole series. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was it was awesome.
1: Are we assuming that he's in a new alternate timeline and not like a rewritten original timeline right he's in a brand new, like he's like he's not in the original one and they've just forgotten who he is he's in an entirely new branch is that is that the vibe that we got i think so that's definitely the vibe i got
2: and i so, would only say that because mobius was very passionate about lo- learning loki's history before mm-hmm. going after him i think he would go why is there a loki here right yeah right or a different loki or something Right.
1: which yeah. right which the fact that they don't even know that he exists is like what? Is there no Loki in this timeline at all? Is he an entirely new being to this world? What do we think the state of this of our main MCU timeline is currently? Do we think it's just unfolding as normal, and it's going to slowly get fucked up as time passes?
0: That's how I'm seeing it right now. It's just slow. So, like, like,
1: like, let's say we live in the MCU world, right? Do you think the sky is falling, or like, do you think it's more of a subtle like unraveling type?
0: I vibe? think it'll be subtle because okay. you're also getting new movies with the multiverse so i don't know if they're going to go straight off the back right. with like right. Right. shit getting destroyed so i think it's a slow burn i okay. think it i think it's quicker i think it's much quicker i i don't
2: think you you you're put, They're they're throwing the multiverse in our face at this point with loki they're throwing it in our face and then well shing chi also has the
0: abomination too who yeah. says that's not a variant because he has like different, the bat wings different. now. Right. right. We don't. Yeah. Great fucking point, Derek. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. let see. Thanks. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, got <laughs> uh, you got
0: Eternals. We know really. Basically, well, Eternals yeah. takes place over 5,000 years. Yeah. So, so we used to say. We, exactly. Yeah. And then How on right, Earth?
2: It, we all know the 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 very true and confirmed rumors that we, we can verify on the yep. Insider show um, about Spider Man. Yep. And we know what's going to happen. And Doctor Strange plays a poor, part. So we poor know. Poor kid. Them. We know you yeah, have Spider-Man, yeah. of all characters, <laughs> and then uh, and then it leads into the Multiverse of Madness in March. So it's like you're pulling so many strings really you know, quick. I think you know fast. what.
0: Now that I think about it, I think you're you're right. It's probably going to escalate. If I'm thinking about future properties, I just, right? I had been saying, and
1: half a joke, which is sort of my entire life. I say everything has a half a joke, so I always have a way out. <laughs> right. Um, but I've been saying since. Infinity War, that Doctor Strange was the MVP of it. Like, not Tony, not Cap, not Thor. Without Doctor Strange, they are... I mean, when they battle Thanos on Titan, he's literally the only one who really puts up a decent one-on-one fight, right? Totally. He yeah. is the mastermind of the whole general plan as well. So to see him sort of now taking on this main, what seems like it may be like a Tony Stark-esque role where he's at the center of the whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool cool to me because I find... I find him to be. I mean, he's popping up in No Spider-Man Way Home, Doctor Strange 2. Assuming the multiverse problem isn't solved in Doctor Strange 2,
0: I'm sure they'll roll him out in Ant Man 3 as well. You know, just all sorts of oh, shit. Oh, like I would that. put money in that he's on Ant Man 3. Yeah. So uh, before <laughs> we I'd put money on something else, but we haven't
2: talked about it yet.
1: <laughs> you, well, I'm going to get into just some broader no go- questions getting- now. Okay. So this is, uh, you know, we don't need to dive too deep, just share your quick thoughts is Mm -hmm. kang a hero or or not kang is he who remains a
0: hero or villain
2: i still think he's a villain at the end of the day i think
0: he's the best of both i think he has good intentions but they're evil intentions which makes a good villain yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah it's tough because we had joked on past podcasts like what the tva is pretty much doing is the essentially the opposite of the idea of more life, right? Which is a yeah, bad thing, yeah, right? yeah, like you yeah always, exactly. You always want more life. But given the context of the horrors that those more lives bring with it, I cannot help agree with him. And that <laughs> I think is going to yeah. make him a very exciting... And again, there are versions of Kang that grow up to be Iron Lad, a good guy. So I do think this is going to be a very multifaceted, sometimes a hero, sometimes a villain character. I think that's very mm-hmm. cool. How long do we expect the multiverse and its madness to factor into the MCU past Doctor Strange until the next until Avengers five for the entirety of phase four? Sort of
0: how big of a big bad do you think Kang is, is going? to I, be? I I think it's going to be a Thanos level event. So five plus years type thing. I would say so. Because there's a lot to unpack there. So it's there's phase different five, stuff you can Kang tell. is still, Kang is still. Well, that doesn't around. necessarily need to be Kang either. It could still introduce like because right now, like it's a Galactus like, or something. It's,
1: it's looking like Avengers Five is going to be a Secret Wars type <laughs> Phase Five kickoff thing. You know, yeah. Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe launched in 2008, right? They're currently planned through 2023. Yeah. So that's 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. What better time to announce at the end of phase four, kicking off phase five, Avengers five, 15 year secret war blowout.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. That you would go. be fucking
1: incredible. So, so uh, sticking to he who remains, is he already one of the most
2: compelling MCU villains? I say I yes. Think,
0: <laughs> I think he's one of the most interesting to where you're like, I need to see more of this dude. Yeah.
2: He reminds me so much of uh, and so this is going to be a weird comparison. He reminds me so much of that uh, James McAvoy split character. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. like that's in. I like that. That's interesting to me. That's it. Like like it's fascinating. And I think. I think you said it best earlier, Eric. I think this is this is probably the, this is some scary shit we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm like, I, listen, you, you have... kill me. I'm gonna just. Hey, all my kings are coming after you. Like, well, oh, you do great. have Doctor...
0: Yeah, what, dude? You do have Doctor. Strange's horror aspect. I mean, bringing on Sam Raimi, but you know, Kevin like, Feige said yes. this is probably one of the dark and more more frightening yes, Derek. I MCU hadn't even movies. Thought about that, so and you see, yeah.
1: and you sort of see that thread being drawn, right? Like, yo, exactly. the, the multiverse is scary as shit. Right. Yeah. Actually, if you guys enjoy this sort of multi-versions of yourself waging war upon yourself and our readers, I actually just read a book called Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, which is actually Ooh, very- I think very, my wife read that one. Which is actually very much of this vibe. So yeah, if you guys enjoyed that, check that out. Uh, how, oh, which Fox slash Sony Marvel character assuming like are we to assume that the fox x-men you know the cool ones like the ones that they want to keep are going to be pulled in now i that? i think that ralph boner bums me because i wanted them to start fresh there
0: yeah so did i i really hope it's certain characters and not all of them because i could care less about uh uh you know Angel Jennifer or Mystique. Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique yeah. or right. Nicholas Holt. So Beast. which this,
1: which Marvel character that exists outside of the MCU? So this could be anything: Ghost Rider, Spider Man Two, whatever. Which a uh, Fox, Sony, Marvel character are you most looking forward to maybe one day seeing? Now, I want to see Daredevil.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh my god! If he's not in Spider Man, No Way Home, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and John Favreau's Foggy Nelson, just have them meet. Scott, now, say he is.
2: Scott, did you just say he is? Say what? Did ben Affleck's Daredevil? Is? No, no, no. Oh, I was oh. going to say, like, okay, <laughs> Yo, that's <what>? fucking bullshit. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. He's oh, just going to oh, be, like, no, still no, sorry, sorry from Batman. Dicks.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. To Can hit, you imagine? Yeah. Oh, he was coming see. straight off of sorry. Flash set, and he just tries to suck it into oh that devil shit yeah, right? <laughs>
2: this is the perfect opportunity to pull people from the original x-men films and then the newer
0: ones like you said some of the better ones you well i've can- been hearing stuff about ralph boner being <laughs> i don't know why i keep saying that the variant of evan peters and evan peters is still looking on track to come as quicksilver in a different variant form. interesting
1: see i would for me be the original charles xavier only because he strikes me as a character. Who would have the knowledge to be like, look what you fucking morons did? <laughs> Yo, yeah, like, like, yeah. You know with Deadpool in his back, like, 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 his, like, he would be the only one to have, like, to be aware of what's going on. Like, yeah. you fucking morons. Like, send me back <laughs> home. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so oh, I think that, oh would that would be, really be a cool. great dynamic. We leave right, were
2: Star gonna... Trek in here. His Picard shows up. He <laughs> says the exact same thing because they're exactly. And, then and then it, just, it all just fucking just melts. Yeah. And then yeah. it, all, it
1: all just melts into one pot in the world all then. yeah um <laughs> all right Potter we're gonna bring no it reasons. over to questions from twitter this is from ryan bernier with the ruling of infinite universes and what okay hold on <laughs> we with, get this all the time yeah with the ruling Elliot. with the ruling of infinite universes with infinite possibilities this could open the door to introduce fantastic four blade x-men into the now dubbed marvel Multiverse. That's not really a question. That's a statement, which is okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what that's what the boys just said. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantastic Four. I, I mean, you got to assume they're going to start fresh there. So oh, that'll sure. yeah. So that'll I, God, that'll be so. that'll <laughs> that'll be new casting. But in terms of the X Men,
0: who knows? Who I think honestly, they're going to trickle them in. So I don't think I it's going to be a full thing. I think this will yet. be
1: more so a way for them to explain like how mutants are now just here. Not so much yeah. these old characters, but like, oh, a universe that has mutants is now mm-hmm. bleeding into the main timeline. Shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is from Zach Mallard. If the multiverse didn't exist until the end of the episode, where did the other variants come from? If Kang ensured the one timeline, how do variants exist? Zach, that's the whole point of the TVA. They would nip those timelines yeah. in, the, in the bud <laughs> and prune those variants to the void. Right. Um I'm assuming where did the other variants come from? Does he mean the one that works in the TVA? I guess we don't specifically know how exactly the TVA employees wound up in there. I thought it was going to be a Loki thing where they sort of like wipe your brain clean and then the, like Loki then was working, he was working for them and then the next day he wakes up and he really fucking works for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's Horror. sort of what I that's sort of what I thought their fates were they were variants who broke the law, broke the timeline ro- law in some way sa- shape or form and instead of being pruned they were just brought on to the job. This is from at more angles. Uh, Lady Loki slash Sylvie is not Loki yet. She is a Loki who needs to go through traumatic events which allowed our Loki to grow up from a petulant child. Continued. <laughs> People, if you're going to submit questions... Right.
0: Make them questions.
1: <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Because no. I do say drop any theories or comments, oh. but make it fucking proper grammar so I don't have a seizure trying to read these <laughs> things. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, two, Loki and Sylvie cannot coexist together unless their timeline includes each other, but as real is, different entities. This is awful.
2: Listen, you look, man, you can't change what she is, and she's a
0: Loki. She even mentions it in Dude, the show. Not, yeah, she doesn't I, like being called Loki. That's why she changed her name to oh, Sylvie. I like,
1: kid you not, and fair to this guy, he is trying to dare a theory, but at one point, he brings up Hamlet. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I shouldn't
1: laugh. Oh. We're off the deep end now, man. <laughs> yeah, we love so, we yeah. love you though, man. Thanks and for goes then I, the And then I had one in my uh personal mentions. Hold on, I'm gonna pull up real quick. Do you think the cat oh we sort of talked about this? Uh this is from Brian Smith. Do you think that Kang's arc ends after Spidey slash strain slash Ant-Man? Or do you see him as a longer term threat? This is how it's done, people. I just feel like. Well done. I just feel like that is going to be Galactus or Doom. Uh, He he means like the next big threat. My gut says Marvel plays the Fantastic Four big bad for phase five. Thoughts. I think we're kind of split. I don't. I have no sense of how long Kang is going to be here. You two seem to think uh, we just had a five-plus-year type engagement, I, so I that mean, would take us into phase if five. If they don't
0: push Galactus, which I, would be bigger than fucking Thanos. Well, they've was,
1: gotta they have to escalate forever so you gotta exactly think
0: they're putting off
2: galactus and
1: doom for as long as they can right or
2: maybe and this is just maybe maybe galactus is using these characters as puppets
0: like how thanos did with y- loki
2: yeah but in a bigger sense to well, make because yeah. we we knew loki was a bad and he was a big bad in one movie but we knew the overarching villain of this universe was thanos now we're starting to believe it could be kang uh you know with with rumors uh swirling the internet could it be doom could it be uh uh, galactus maybe it's galactus he's Playing these puppets with Doom. Uh, you
0: imagine? I mean,
2: Apocalypse, Kang, it just any of these characters. God, we
0: need a better Apocalypse, man. He's such a cool villain.
1: I know, right? Um, I had brought this up to be a few weeks ago. Fantastic Four is in the works, right? And this is Marvel, and you got to know that they're going to come with something fresh. The last two Fantastic Four films have launched with Doctor Doom as its villain. That tells me that that is not the route that Marvel is going to take, which suggests that Doctor Doom who is inherently a Fantastic Four villain, won't pop up until Fantastic Four 2. So perhaps the Fantastic Four are born out of what Kang has done. And uh, and Kang is then therefore defeated by that. Like perhaps Fantastic Four right. is where Kang gets cooked.
0: Well, also... Because just... that would <laughs> sort
1: of put it in that sweet spot, right? That That, that would right. take us... To the end of 2023 so that'd be a two and a half three year arc so and it would give them again a chance to start fresh as they lead up to secret war type thing
0: and who's to know that we don't get a little like something something in no way home i mean it's john walks he's yeah. directing both so right i mean i would put money on a little you know tidbit about something regarding fantastic four yeah
1: yeah all right moving on to our awards and categories the infinity gauntlet for the real MVP. I'm going with Kang, both in the performance of him, which I thought, which we all seem to think was a blast, and his ideology. I agreed with the motherfucker. I'm sorry yeah. to say it. No, I'm on I... his side. Whatever he's got going on sounds way less scary than multiple Kangs all trying to kill each other in every universe in sight. I mean, no, I,
0: I definitely agree with that.
1: He sacrificed, not only sacrificed his life, but again, as we pointed out on the show, Waged war on himself to banish himself (laughs) to banish himself at the end of time to keep a lid on this thing. I mean, if that is not an MVP performance, I don't know. I don't know what is. Oh, totally. I love it. Uh, Thor: The Dark World for the worst performance. I gotta say, I'm going with Sylvie. I, Ah. I just, I cannot wrap my head around her not understanding the scope of the threat that Kang was trying to explain. I get that she was consumed by rage, but she could have she could have easily expressed herself and gotten her rage out while not putting the timeline in multiversal chaos. That's just me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I gotta say it's the uh uh the barbarian Loki in in there. I just that dude was bad. I, I just, like I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't get around, like, the other ones, I think the only one that I liked was Richard E. Grant, I think oh, the other ones can go, good. can go fuck off, I would rather you just have Richard the, E. Grant. Uh,
1: okay, okay.
0: You want a also fan elegant. of the mass uh, Lokis? No, not really. Yeah, I just, either. if they would have had just his comic book accurate suit, and Richard E. Grant is fucking boss, yes. so. Yeah, so that's that's my choice.
1: So moving on to the Mobius Award for best performance by anyone except the lead actor. Given its namesake, that obviously goes to Mobius. Uh, I'm also going to give this one to Gugu Mbatha-Raw this that's week. That's mine. I thought, as I've said a few times, I thought her ambiguity in the way that she played her character made her snapping and that you betrayed me this week, all the more powerful for me to genuinely feel both his and her side in a moment that, that I'd say should be cut and dry, right? Like she was upholding the TVA, which as we've since learned is a inherently fascist bad thing for you to feel yourself sort of feeling for her is a testament to her performance. Totally agree. That's, that's my pick too. Tony Stark, exposition aka the star lord who award for shit we need to explain to us I don't know what Renslayer wants I don't know where she's going and I would like to yeah I would just say
0: kings and uh kings intentions future right. wise okay
1: and uh and then just sort of what is the current state of the MCU timeline like yeah. is it is it falling like as I said is the sky falling or is it just like Subtle things are going to start to be out of place to suggest that the timeline is being changed. Yeah. Uh, the time stone that real quick award, aka rewind that real quick. I love uh, that. <laughs> this for me is the Miss Minutes jump scare. That was... Uh, I don't
2: want to rewind that. What an
1: awesome moment that was because you don't see it coming. It sets the tone for the rest of the show to keep you on your toes. Like from that yeah. moment yeah. on, That's true. nothing is going to sneak yeah, up no on no, you, no no You, you no. know what
2: I mean? So I really thought that was... And this was a 2D animated clock voiced by Tara
0: Strong. Yeah. I know. I know. I got to say mine, uh, the one that I rewind was when uh Mobius mentions vampires. I oh. had to rewind it, make sure that I heard what I heard. Right, right, right. And that right. was before C-Done on Twitter. I was like, what the fuck? Did you say yeah, vampires?
1: Yeah, that was a slick <laughs> so line. Uh, put this in Odin's Vault Award, a.k.a. put that in a museum. I'm going with the realization that loki wound up in an alternate timeline what a stomach dropping moment that was yeah it's like oh dude just when you thought
2: this couldn't get worse <laughs> yeah. me, man. Get fucked up Mobius, his <laughs>
1: only friend doesn't
0: even recognize him come on man yeah that's fucked.
2: i i would say it's the seeing the actual king statue Sa- same scene i mean mm-hmm. same thing yeah. uh, seeing the king statue that yeah. just was in all its glory, you knew some stuff's about to go down. Yeah, he's he's a god to these people. I
0: gotta say, finding those infinity stones in the drawer—oh, great call! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta say those. I was just like, well, that makes them less important. Like that, I had this whole build-up to the thing—an
1: an idea of how powerful this time exactly. shit is. Like they and had set this whole—they had showed us early, and they had reaffirmed it late. Like you yeah. should be very, very scared of this power. The cap lifts the hammer award for the best hero moment. I'm going with Loki risking his neck for Kang. And although it didn't work, pouring his heart out to Sylvie. I think that is sort of the definition of a hero. Yeah. moment. Yeah,
0: Um. I got to say, uh, fuck, I totally forgot to. Here you go while I try to remember what I was just going to say.
2: Uh. See this one's this one's oh
0: Mobius I'm so sorry Mobius uh you know figuring it out and helping Loki with figuring it out that was that's my favorite moment great call
2: I'm looking at it per this episode and I just don't see a hero moment maybe it's Kang (laughs) trying to be a hero
1: (laughs) right yeah I'm just
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna say Kang you know yeah hey do not start multiversal war. (laughs) <laughs> Which will now spin these movies off into new franchises. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, what's the worst thing that you could say about this episode and/or season? Loki, Loki love story.
0: Yeah, Loki it. love story. Don't like it. Like the only thing that really lifted that was him breaking yeah. down during that fight. That really like got to me. But other than that, didn't really need it. Good call there. I'm.
1: Uh, I'm going to stick to the finale. I think that the. Insane multiversal timeline jargon and the intro of Kang sort of undercut the Loki's journey. Like the finale wasn't even really about the main characters of the show. It was more about the world that they exist in and the new villain that they're faced with. And when it comes to a season finale, you want your A plot and your A characters paid off. I had brought up last week and in hindsight, I was dead on that I, last week, once I realized how much plot lines were left to wrap up this week, that confirmed season two for me because I was like, there's no way that they wrap yeah. this shit up next week. Uh, and then finally, what's the nicest thing that you could say about this episode and or season?
0: Um, just to see, we saw a totally different version of Loki. Like I really like felt for him and like was feeling bad for a character who has been evil for 10 plus years now. Yeah. So I, I thought that was probably the coolest thing and just him getting his own fucking series. Cause he's such an interesting character.
1: Yeah, for so. sure. Well <laughs> earned too at this point Yeah, From for where sure. they started in the shit Thor films for him to have the arc that he went through to now be at this point. It is amazing.
0: Agreed. Sky I thoughts.
2: S- I would say the best part of this series was showing us how the multiverse ties into our existing universe. Because when Loki was first announced, we had no idea what it was about. We had no idea it had anything to do with multiverses. Mm-mm. Um, and then you, I mean, you look at it. We knew Multiverse of Madness was coming out, but you, Marvel, could have easily done something super corny introducing the multiverse. Like it could have been so bad. It'd exactly. Like, how you can, like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Shoehorn or no, made it, no fucking sense. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And Loki, throughout this whole series, found a way to make it make sense, mm-hmm. and that's what I liked. I, I just like how it's really kind of sets up Phase Four in a new direction and i like that yeah Yeah. so all right boys
1: well that is gonna do it for our loki season one recaps i want to thank the fellows over at the diz insider for coming through clutch i had a great time chatting No, this was awesome like i said uh, we owe y'all one uh make sure to follow them at the diz insider their personals
0: are shout those out Uh, mine's at Derek cornell but since it's taken uh it's two eyes instead of l's <laughs> i do
1: the same thing with mine mine's Eric
0: yeah.
2: italiano but the l is, is a, a big i <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that's hilarious uh mine is skylar schuler they're both uh actually little l's
0: uh, ah so this so man yeah nailed it i nice, huh? was able, able to nice. yeah, grab <laughs> hey, so, so, you know,
1: it fucking twitter didn't verify me but verified other people who work for the website <laughs> How they verified a, a Harley, Harley Quinn, Quinn
0: fucking fan page. I just got my denial today.
1: <laughs> Listen, uh, all right. If you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review, we would gratefully appreciate it. Head over to thedizinsider.com where they are coming with all sorts of Disney scoop news, podcasts, updates, etc. cetera. Friends, thank you so much. This was a blast. I will this see was awesome. you on another timeline. Yes. There you go. We love it. <laughs> love that. Thanks again. All right, boys. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius.